This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mattress Firm. Do you get the quality sleep you need? Mattress Firm will find you the right bed for your best rest with their wide selection of quality mattresses at every price. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale. Sleep at night. Hey, y'all. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Today, I'm talking to Shelby Lorman. She is an author out with a new book all about good boys. But when Shelby says that phrase, good boys, she means quite possibly the exact opposite of what you're thinking. A man who would never do anything explicitly, quote unquote, bad by his own measure, but consciously or not, uses his goodness as a shield behind which he can get away with still pretty bad behavior on the grounds that it's not outwardly horrific. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a meaty one. That is Shelby Lorman's definition of a good boy. And her new book all about these problem men is called Awards for Good Boys, Tales of Dating, Double Standards, and Doom. The book is full of these illustrations of trophies and ribbons, awards, but for bad behavior. Things you'd look really pretty if you lost a few pounds. Not like too much weight lost, just in the right places. Responded to your text a cool seven months later to let you know he's playing a gig. It's tonight. Is ready to talk about what he did wrong as soon as you calm down. Today on the show, we talk good boys, what to do about them, and why society's standards for men are so low. We also discuss how Shelby got the idea for this whole project, which began on Instagram. All right, let's get to it. Here's our chat. I think you'll like it. It is very good in the most positive sense of that word. Enjoy. The idea behind a good boy, Mm -hmm. it's very much informed by my own experiences, which is basically meeting these people who seemed so great and really quote-unquote got it. Woke. Voted the same way. Woke. Voted (laughs) the same way as me, like would never say anything offensive. Uh Like, you know, they got it. And then it would just kind of seep out like these things that we really disagreed on, um, whether it was like they're just blatant misogyny or uh, just kind of subtle disagreements or uh, discrepancies in the way we viewed the world. And I found that these people who were so sure that they got it were so, so, so much harder to talk to about the nuances of how they didn't get it Uh. than people who were just completely disagreeing with you. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to have I got to really... Uh, got to let this out. Gotta yeah, talk I got to let it. this out. Got to talk about it. I started drawing the awards. I was just like, let's make this super literal. Yes. I'm going to draw ribbons and laurel leaves. Yes. Around these trophies. men's bad behavior. Yeah. And, and and like, it's this... We, you, we think of awards as going to people for doing good stuff. The exactly. whole premise of your book is that these dudes get an award for kind of doing bad stuff. Exactly. <laughs> which makes it funny. Yeah. Uh, there's this line in the book you have that I really like. You say, it's a relief to explore problems we know to be true but might not know how to name quite yet. Yeah. You name the stuff that we feel and see. Yeah. And you crystallize some of the stuff that I'm sure all women go through all the time. And I think that's what's helpful. Yeah. You know, like even for me, I'm reading this stuff on the train and I'm like, she got it. (laughs) I've been a good boy. I never thought about it this way. And that's been me. Yeah. And so it's funny, but it's also like taking these things that are in the ether and saying, here's a picture about it. Yeah. Here it is now. Yeah. And I think that ability to recognize yourself in it is exactly what I want to happen. Yeah. Um, And I I started these 
with myself and my past relationships in mind. Mm. And Dating relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, and also, you know, friendships, but most yeah. of this has been gleaned from romantic relationships. Uh-huh. And to have other people be able to see themselves in it and be able to kind of explore how these themes manifest in their own lives or what they may have been purposefully ignoring. or yeah. I, I think it's a... I'm not trying to coddle people, but I do want people to hear these things with empathy and with love. I'm not yeah. trying to, like, shame anyone, yeah. which the you irony... You don't name names. I don't name names. <laughs> I mean, it's a fascinating litmus test on the Instagram page because I uh. never name names, but people... They're tagging up a storm. They're like, is this really? about Beto? It's Biden. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> if the shoe fits, Come it's on. all of them. <laughs> like, keep on yeah. naming. But, yeah, it's really interesting how much people want to attribute it to a specific person. Uh-huh. And I deliberately don't because it's not a specific it's, person. It's everyone. It's all the boys. It's everyone. Read me some more out of here. Okay. I want to really give listeners a feel for this stuff. And I'm going to look for some, too. Okay. Go ahead. I got the very non-Oberlin request. Coincidentally, when I returned to said school, home of many an indie darling in the face of coddled liberal political correctness, according to conservative think pieces, for graduation. It came in the humid Ohioan night, just a few hours before I would walk the stage in panic, for the millionth time, about what I would do with an English major after leaving college. Lots of things. Writing is good for lots of things. It was a text from a dude I'd met weeks earlier in what was a rare instance of me briefly shrugging off the mood of, is it my depression or chronic illness or social anxiety or general distaste for humans that keeps me indoors like the house cat I was in a past life (laughs) and venturing out to socialize in public. At a party hosted by some very cool Chilean poets, we found out we had so much in common. We spoke the same language. He lived in the same building as one of my best friends. He had also gone to Oberlin many years before I did. We exchanged numbers because the coincidences were uncanny. I mean, wow. I didn't hear from him, and then I did. He texted me to ask for drinks weeks later. I responded saying, you'll never believe it. I'm not in New York, but at our alma mater. My God, we should get married. Can you believe how many coincidences? And then I received the non-Oberlin request. Mm. (laughs) And it reads like this. Yes. (laughs) Also, I have a very non-Oberlin request. Let me know if you want it. Go to the bathroom and take a hot selfie. Idea, dash, dash, tits out. This really happened. This really happened. I have a photo of it. <laughs> you meet this super nice guy. It yeah. seems to be super nice. Yeah. Oberlin connection. Yeah. He is Oberlin woke. <laughs> yeah. That was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something really specific about the not Oberlin requestness of it all that yeah. really gets into this idea of the performance of goodness. Right. Among and, people who already consider themselves good. Yes. And are seen broadly as being, quote unquote, good. Yes. And I think that's what I'm really trying to get at is that this is not just my experience. My lens is coming from this as, oh, these are people who move through the world with people thinking that they really, really understand. Mm -hmm. And they consider themselves to be people who really, really understand. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself to be someone who really, really understands. And I know better than to know I really don't. And, like, there's a lot, a lot of gaps in my learning. And I found that there's a mixture of what I would say what is usually male confidence with that I get it, people think that I get it, where there isn't as much openness to being wrong. Yeah. Or... In this case, with the not Oberlin request, this guy knows that he performs goodness on a regular basis. Right. But he says to you, basically, I know that because I'm usually always good, right. I can do this bad thing, I which mean, is almost even worse. It's the most Oberlin thing ever. Like, it, it really is. Like, it, it becomes the most Oberlin thing in the entire world, where yeah. 
not only is nudity extremely friendly at Oberlin, like everyone's naked all. So like he got that part extremely wrong. Like it would yeah. be like I have an on-brand request, yes. free the nipple, and exactly. I would be like, absolutely. Let's do it. Woo. <laughs> um, but it just becomes this. Oh my gosh, this sensitive liberal arts boy has such a specific brand of goodness, and I really wanted to capture that for people. Um, And, like, shatter that. Yeah, and be like, yeah, no. No one's all the way good? No. And you're better off just owning up to it? Right, and they get away with a lot more because of this uh, assumption. Yeah, exactly. What, what What do the good boys say to you? Uh, they're oh, always in your DMs, I'm sure. They are. They really, <laughs> they really are. I mean, I have a good portion of of just like actual trolls who are just mad at what they. I would say that they conceive of my work as like this specter of like feminist mayhem. Most which of, sounds fun. Yeah, it's a blast. We have a great time. Yeah. Uh, one person called my page a vacuous, echoing, man-hating chamber. And I was like, I love that. (laughs) This is incredible. It's not wrong. Like, I'll take it. I get some really, really specific uh, commentary, I would call it, on my work. Uh, My favorite, maybe ever, was an email I got to my personal email, Mm. which is not that hard to find, but I say that just to say, like, it was was my email. Um, And it was just, thank you for ruining my dog's name. His name is Good Boy. Now, (laughs) Now, every time I look at my dog, I think of you and your negative movement. Wow. And I just could not stop laughing. It was just get over the, yourself. It was neck the beard. most beautiful thing I've ever read. I was like, he named his dog <laughs> Good Boy, and now I've ruined the dog's name oh and God. karma. But oh anyways, yeah, I get, I get. I would say I, uh, a third of them are very bizarre and weird, mm-hmm. and I like to kind of repost them and mm-hmm. be like, look at how uh, self fulfilling this prophecy is that we're sitting in here. Yeah. Like the more I talk about this, the more they continually prove to exactly show my point. Yeah. and like yeah. this is great. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Shelby tells me how she sometimes works on awards for good white ladies. BRB. Support for NPR and the following message come from VSP Individual Vision Plans, offering coverage for a low monthly cost if you don't have vision coverage through an employer. You'll get access to the nation's largest network of independent doctors and hundreds of name brand frames. Plus, you can save more than $200 a year. VSP believes you deserve to see better for life for less. Discover for yourself at needvspcoverage.com. After more than 50 years of lies and silence, a witness to the attack on Jim Reeb finally tells the truth about what she saw. I didn't know whether they'd gonna get off or not, but I was glad when they did. Even though they were guilty and I knew they were guilty and they knew they were guilty. It's White Lies from NPR. Listen and subscribe now. There's this really interesting idea you get at in the book where you talk about how women can be involved in the good boyness. Yeah. You write, my work implicates women like me, cis women, many of whom are straight and white, because of the ways we form ourselves around and in relation to good boydom. Yeah. It's like there is a social reward for women who support the good boyness of our culture. Yep. And so this makes women complicit often in things that they know are... Allowing trash men to trash yeah. continually. Yep. 
How do you oh, proximity to patriarchy is a hell of a drug? <laughs> and yeah, they. Uh, I mean, and I've absolutely been there also. And I think mm. that it's the tone that I was trying to take in the book is not of someone looking down from this platform of like I have freed myself uh-huh. and I figured it out. It's yeah. like holy shit, I'm still in this, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to reconcile how to live my life and also be aware of this, but also like allow room for growth and for change Um, so I really tried to approach it as if I was just talking to a friend about it which I do which we're like oh my gosh I've made some really Mm -hmm. bad decisions and like how do I uphold this and what can I do to change and ultimately like even though (laughs) all of my work is so centered on men which is so funny when people look at me as like this feminist icon I'm like (laughs) have you seen my work like it 100% centers men like I'm (laughs) not doing it like um But at the end of the day, I'm trying to get everyone, men included, but women and non-binary folks, too, to be like, hey, how what have we how have we been? What have we done? (laughs) What have we done? And how can we extract ourselves in a way that is meaningful for us? One of the ideas that I found quite fascinating was when you wrote that it's not just that men have to clear a lower bar. Mm -hmm. It's that men get to choose where the bar yeah. goes. Yeah. It's a terrible game of limbo. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so your work is implicating the lowness of the bar. Mm-hmm. But what work needs to happen to open up that network of bar setters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how does that I don't know how does the, how does particularly the internet culture get there? Yeah. It's such an interesting and complicating complicated uh situation because On the one hand, I don't think anyone, let alone me, should be acting as a gatekeeper for what constitutes uh, the good or the bad bar. I think that is something that's just constantly changing. But I do think, especially in the last few years, with the rise of such, such publicly vehement behavior from men, Mm -hmm. in a way, it's made the bar even lower for men to clear because now... I didn't meet too anybody! (laughs) No, truly. It's like, well, I haven't issued an apology apologizing for my apology. Like, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so bizarre to watch that still continue to happen and watch the kind of media coverage that public women are getting and just mm-hmm. it's not the same. Yeah. I want to go back to what we talked about a bit earlier about this, this how, how women can be complicit in yeah good boyness and you point out that and you do a really good job of doing that is there ever a book that is awards for good women or I don't know awards for good white ladies I don't know (laughs) so I actually I make awards for good white women with a friend of mine Rachel Cargill who's um, an amazing educator and teacher and we have been collaborating on those for a little while. Okay. It's so interesting. The response is really, really, really Give fascinating. Give me an example of a few first before we go to the response. Yeah. So the most recent one we did, it, it really is just getting at this sort of same sort of performative wokeness. And mm-hmm. so it's like finds it extremely empowering to leave the 3,000th comment about like why so-and-so media is empowering but <laughs> has a really hard time talking to her husband about his blatant racism. So it's this like... <laughs> it's yeah. this, like what are you yeah. what are you willing to do what's the level of discomfort that you're willing to yes. to actually get into yeah um so that has been an amazing collaboration and i'm really looking forward to doing more of that and yeah i absolutely want to keep exploring my own role in this and it's really split a lot of people are extremely extremely supportive almost mm-hmm. 
obsessively so in this way where it's like performatively so (laughs) where it's like okay i get it yeah um and then there's of course the people who are like this is divisive why are you doing this Mm -hmm. it's like we need to come together Mm -hmm. and that's not a bad thing it's important to like have empathy and retain empathy Mm -hmm. throughout all of this process but also that can't be equated to not allowed to be angry and that that can't be or disagree right right and it's like okay it's cool if you're selling positivity but also if your brand of positivity asserts that no one else can have another method that's a problem Mm -hmm. and i've really found kind of a visceral reaction to a lot of people online in the last few months as i've kind of started to crystallize this in my own mind where Mm -hmm. i'm like oh this sort of like quote-unquote authenticity and awareness and positivity is often more harmful than I think people realize. Because it papers over and covers over a bunch of stuff that needs to be handled. Yeah, and it also, I think often inadvertently, implicates people who are doing something else as being like inherently rude or mad or this or that. And I'm hyper aware of the fact that I get away with so much more being a white person online. And so like me being angry is like, yes, get them. (laughs) And like, I'm not, you know, I don't get racialized slurs thrown at me. Although when people found out I was Jewish, that was a fun, that was a fun few days. (laughs) Oh, I bet. (laughs) Oh man. Uh. Um, Yeah. But it is, it's just this really fine line Mm -hmm. of, you know, you can't really push back on someone who's preaching positivity without being seen like an asshole. Yeah. And it's like, look, I do hate most things. I will own that in myself. <laughs> like, I'm 100 yeah. percent like really bitter and yeah. I hate most things. Yeah. I'm also extremely optimistic about the world, even though it's horrifying. Yeah. But I also am extremely angry. Yeah. And you can be both. Those things. Yeah, exactly. All right. One more break coming up. Shelby talks about one award for a good boy that she retracted. She tells me why. After the break. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Verbo. Finding the perfect vacation home is hard. You start off looking for a beach house big enough for six and wind up watching videos of surfing dogs. Verbo's got you covered, matching you to the perfect place to stay for your getaway every time. Download the Verbo app. B-R-B-O, and put an end to frustrating vacation searches. Discover everything from condos and cabins to villas and castles. Let Verbo find a home that matches you. There are so many different labels on food these days. Organic, non-GMO, fair trade, cage-free, hand-gathered. It's overwhelming. I sometimes jokingly refer to it as the NASCARing of our food. Life Kit has a new episode, Making Sense of Food Labels. Find it and more by searching Life Kit All Guides in Apple Podcasts. Was there ever an award for a good boy that you drafted or published and then regretted? Ooh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I made one about Aziz Ansari that I ended up deleting. Oh, what Um, did it say? It said, isn't defending Aziz Ansari merely playing devil's advocate? Mm. Um, Defending Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was kind of an impulsive take. It was like in the, you know, immediate pushback. Well, that story came back, which was bonkers. The story was really intense and I think that my visceral reaction was, oh my god, another big famous comedy man has done a bad thing mm-hmm. and it is like my duty, as like, which is so complicated, <laughs> uh, as like a woman in comedy uh-huh. to address this. Yeah. 
And what I lost in that process was, hey, I'm allowed to have my own standards of like journalistic questioning and I'm allowed to wait a few days before I decide how to respond to this. And also, I don't need to address everything at all. Mm. So I drew this and I put it up and it got shared a bunch of times. It was like on Twitter. Everyone was, you know, really into it. And I just, you know, was thinking, what have I... What have I done? <laughs> Did you it, begin to second guess Aziz's, I don't know, culpability is the wrong word. I mean, I I still thought that the way he handled it was not awesome. Mm-hmm. And I still think that the tour, and I think any of these people who are, you know, put in the public spotlight for doing something and then they go immediately on tour and address it is really complicated because on the one hand, I want people to be ta- I want men to be addressing this yes. I want men to be talking to other men yes. but also what does it mean if you're going on tour and you're profiting off of this situation yes. that potentially really hurts yeah. someone and that's really icky um, but yeah it was this kind of situation where I still felt really strongly about the situation but I didn't know enough about it to actually speak on it. Not for a verdict. You know? Yeah and the weird part about you know, firing opinions into the void all day long is that people are really quick to see them as fact. Mm-hmm. And I would like to have faith in my audience to say, look, these are very clearly comics. They're very clearly comedy. You have to be a critical consumer and understand that this is commentary and mm-hmm. not journalism. Mm-hmm. People don't really understand that. And so I've been a lot, that was like the last time that I ever named anyone really? deliberately, where I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. I found myself wondering while reading the book if you're writing and illustrating about awards for good boys has changed the way you date or the way that men who you date interact with you. Oh, yes. It has been so fascinating. Okay. Tell me (laughs) all of it. Uh, So as you probably know, in the very beginning of the book, it talks about – taking a Tinder date back to my apartment while I was in the middle of drafting this book. And my room was, I work from home, I work in my room, Uh and my room was an absolute mess. There was awards on my walls. There were strings piecing things together. It was like absolutely true detective trope. So all of these drawings calling out good boy culture were all over your room. I mean, there was like a huge corner dedicated to like, (laughs) to to male fear of vibrators. There was like a a corner about mansplaining. There was this instant next that I talk about where someone left me on a date after, you know, 30 seconds. I mean, it was just like the history of my life with good boys exposed on the wall in my bedroom. And I was like, we were, you know, it was like a flirty fun, like, come back to my apartment. And I, yeah, and I just totally didn't, I don't know, I didn't remember what my walls looked like. (laughs) But I like brought him back and he was just like, what? in the world is going on. Like, what do you do? And I, you know, was not telling people what I did. I was just like, I'm a writer, which was true. Um, And then was like laughing and we were laughing about it. Um, And it ended up being like a a good litmus test. But it was... Did stay? Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, I was like... uh, And then it just becomes this hilarious self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like, oh my gosh, he stayed. We're going to get married now. And it's like, well, he's not that great. He just, you lowered the bar yeah. for him. I was just like, wait, he, did he just, you know, accept that this is my job and keep moving? Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, no award for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's been really, really interesting to, to find how the people in my life respond mm. to it. Um, Tinder is not the same anymore. People recognize me, oh. which is horrifying. Oh. 
and cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would be terrified to date me, and I think that that's the general <laughs> consensus among <laughs> other men. Yeah. Um, I just I got a DM recently that said you'd be a welcome nightmare of a girlfriend, and I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> that's so sweet. Yes. I want to talk because like one of the things I was wondering is like. I'm guessing that hashtag all women experience the good boy realities of our culture, but not all of them write books about them and devote kind of their life's work to them. I want to get into like your backstory and your upbringing and see how you think that like this and that led to the book. Yeah. Um, you're, so, so you're from L.A. I'm from L.A. West born Side. Born and raised West Side okay. L.A. I had just a exceedingly normal and privileged upbringing on the west side of LA. I was always really interested in writing and drawing Mm -hmm. and making art. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also just a huge nerd. Like I just, (laughs) I was not interested in like, and this is not like, I'm not like other girls because to each their own, (laughs) but I was just not interested in boys or dating or any of that until years after my friends were. Do you think that's part of it? This, so so like, if you come to dating and boys later, you're missing all of those years that teenage girls have to shield themselves against the world of good boyness. Yeah. Like, was your first encounter with the good boyness even more Mm -hmm. abrupt because you got there later, maybe? That's interesting. I mean, I spent the first few years of, like, my friends becoming interested in their you know romance and discovering their sexuality and all of this I was just like so 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 shy and so committed to my schoolwork and really really funny and I used humor as a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. and I was like the girl who hung out with all of the dudes while like one of their friends was like kissing one of my friends so I was like never the one being kissed Mm -hmm. I was just the one you made them laugh oh my god they loved me (laughs) and like that is something that I'm still you know, unpacking, yeah. which was like, why you're like I, a sister. Yeah, I was like, first of all, weird. Also, why did I, why did I love that validation mm. from men so much mm. when I was like not being sexualized? And I totally liked that for a long yeah. time, where I was like, well, whatever, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then in college, I was like, oh no, yeah. like I've, I, my gain has been, you know, kind of putting down other women uh. and, you know, establishing myself as different. And I'm not different. It's just a varying method of being in the world and of coping in the world. And now as someone who kind of wants all of that, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see like how we're taught and conditioned to Mm -hmm. to view certain qualities as gendered when it's just not binary in that way at all. Yes. (laughs) At all. It's all complex. Yeah. It's all complex. Yeah. So what would you do if you had all the male privilege for the day? Like first thing you'd do. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I think I'd like get on the train and just take up like a whole car with just like my stuff. But I'd be like a film boy. So I'd have like uh, all of my film gear uh, and then I'd be reading like My Struggle by Karloff, Swinosna, whatever. <laughs> and I'd like be performatively reading and I'd have like a little beanie on uh-huh. and everyone would love me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you'd yeah. have random people just give you their numbers. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. I would just be like, hmm, thanks. And I wouldn't call any of them. Yeah, no, you would have to actually be reading 
uh, a Ta-Nehisi Coates book. Oh, yeah, Very yeah, performative yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the move That's in, much in better. Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I get a lot of stories from people who follow me about men who show them the Instagram page on first dates or, like, send it to them being like, do you follow Awards for Good Boys? Because I do. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, they'll never like any of the posts that, like, apply to them, but they, like, uh, they reshare the, the three that I've made about women and they're like, mm, this is so real. <laughs> You're like, okay. All the good boys. We see you. We see you. Yeah. We see you. Yeah, All of you good boys out there get this book it is called awards for good boys tales of dating double standards and doom yeah it's out june 4th thank you shelby thank you so much thanks again to shelby lorman you can follow her on instagram for more good boy awards like every day that account is at awards for good boys Also going to second a request that I first made last Friday in the podcast feed. We are trying something new with the final segment of our Friday shows. We want to talk with you all about the weirdest things that have happened to you all week. This week, last week, next week, whatever weeks. We want that, though, okay? So you can send me that, those stories of weird stuff in your life this week, by sending me a voice memo to samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. Cannot wait to hear those. Keep it strange. All right, listeners, back in your feeds on Friday. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice, but you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Your business faces specific challenges and unique opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, custom tailored to your short and long-term goals. Backed by the expertise, strategy, and resources of a top 10 commercial bank, a dedicated team works with you to support your success and help achieve your goals. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Is it possible to engineer our way out of the climate crisis? Some entrepreneurs want to shoot particles into the stratosphere to combat global warming. Experts say regulations on this technology aren't keeping up. The world of solar geoengineering on the latest episode of The Sunday Story from NPR's Up First podcast. 